When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Inspire to Fire podcast. My name is Chris and I'm your host. And today we have Bola Sakunbi joining the show. She is the CEO and founder of Clever Girl Finance. And I'm excited for her to join the show today because she's going to be discussing her money story as well as how she drew inspiration from her mother, uh, as she calls the Hustle Queen. And you guys will find out why she calls her the Hustle Queen, but I agree with her. She really is. She is, uh, Bola is an amazing person, and I love the discussion that we had. She is a best-selling author, and she's created an amazing community filled with resources. She's given away free courses. She, she really is uh, an amazing person, as I said, and I'm excited for you guys to hear her story. So she's going to be going over her money story, as I mentioned, some common mistakes that she's made, which I think are important to go over because... That's how we all learn. And this shows that we're not perfect as well. We all make mistakes. Uh, Then we are going to share, we're going to get into how she was able to overcome those money mistakes, what she did in order to save $100,000 in just over three years and what that got her. And so we're also going to talk about her mission in terms of increasing financial literacy. So I hope you guys enjoy. And without further ado, Bola, welcome to the show. Hey, Bola. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to have you. Your story is very inspirational and um, you're doing so much to help the community. So I, that's why I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to have you share your story and and uh, we can start there, I think. What, um, can you tell us a little bit about your money story, your background? Yes. Uh, so... I am a um, <laughs> child of immigrants. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria, and um, I had the opportunity to just watch my parents navigate their finances growing up. Um, uh, my mom got married very young. She was 19 years old, and uh, my dad was older, and I got to watch my mom navigate just not knowing anything about money to figuring out how finances work to eventually becoming our family breadwinner when my dad went through financial slash health issues. And that just very much defined um, who I was and what I wanted to accomplish with my finances, specifically, you know, coming from a traditional background where the dad or the father or, you know, the head was the head of the household and they were the designated caretaker and financial manager of the home and the mother was typically the homemaker and, you know, childminder, and that was how the roles were designated. And as my mom started to get older um, and watch her friends going through different situations like divorces or losing spouses or the inability to exit a bad relationship, she just didn't want to be in that position where she couldn't stand on her own two feet, where she didn't have any idea about finances or she didn't have any money. 
And although my parents are still married today, uh, my mom decided to go back to college, get a job. And she started working and putting money aside and saving and running side hustles and small businesses. And so that really tied into my money story. And so for me, moving to America um, in the middle of college um, was was um, exciting. But at the same time, I had no idea about the American financial system. Um, I was going to college in Europe. I was born in Europe. And so coming here was understanding credit, was understanding investing it was understanding how 401k worked was understanding all these different nuances of the u.s um financial system and so in Mm -hmm. college i made you know mistakes like getting my first credit card that i had no business getting and not much of any income whatsoever to support but then graduating it was okay you know my mom has made really really major sacrifices for me my dad has made really major sacrifices for the family i want to show them that I'm going to be successful and doing well with my money was one of those things. So um, my, my finance story, my money story really comes ties into just watching my parents and my upbringing and not taking any other opportunities that I had for granted, even though I made a ton of mistakes. (laughs) We're going to dive into uh, some of those mistakes just so that we can learn from them together as well. Um, But it seems like, your mom had a big inspiration, of course, on your finances. Can you go into a little bit more about how she was able to do such a trans make such a transformation? I mean, going from not t- having control of her finances to completely financial empowerment. And I mean, she was doing a lot and to, to the point where you call her the side hustle queen. Um, how did she how did she make such a transformation or hustle queen? Yeah, so it wasn't more so of not having control. It was just not knowing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, My dad managed all the finances and my mom just, you know, she got the household allowance for groceries to take care of the kids. And that's typically, you know, many, many households around the world still do operate like that, um, interestingly. And so she just was in that space where she's like, okay, I'm seeing all these things happening to my friends. My friends are getting divorced. Um. And they're being left out with the short end of the stick because they have no idea about the family finances. My friend has unfortunately lost a spouse and she has no idea about his investments or his assets and his family has taken over everything, right? And she just has just nothing financially or friends who just wanted to leave relationships and they couldn't because they didn't have their own financial backing. So for her, you know, she felt that just being able to get a job, um, was important being able to work was important and she felt that getting educated getting her college degree would help her attain that so my mom when i was three or four years old would take me to her college classes um, i went through mm-hmm. all four years of college with my mom <laughs> i went through my mom's um, mba with her she got a master's degree um, and she started working in investment banking and while she was working in investment banking she's like wait a minute you know I need to have multiple streams of income, right? And just coming from um, Nigeria, where at the time there was a lot of economic uncertainty, there was all kinds of, you know, political things that impacted the economy. My mom wanted to have all kinds of fallback plans just in case. So she, you know, went on to becoming a Coca-Cola franchisee. She opened a hair salon. She had a girl's school. She had a bakery. She had all these different things and she would hire staff and she would delegate and evenings after work, she would take me and we would go to 
visit her different businesses on weekends. We would go and sit down at different businesses. <laughs> um, and so my mom just started to hustle and put money aside. And it was just, you know, not even just um, for her, but also from for her family. You know, my parents both come from extremely poor backgrounds. Um, they are both, from my mother's side, you know, her and her siblings are the first to to get educated period like primary school secondary school um the same on my dad's side and my dad um is you know he has a twin sister who is not formally educated like she does not read and write um she's traditionally educated which means you know she can she can navigate life but she's not formally educated the way people think about education today so it was really really important um for my mom to have her finances in order um, and so my dad was a little bit um, <laughs> not excited initially because he was brought up in the sense that you take care of your family. And if you're not a, if your wife has to go out to work and you're doing something wrong, maybe you're not taking care mm-hmm. of your family well enough. But eventually he got around with it. And it was it was really great that he did, because several years later, when I was a teenager, my um, dad went through a financial downturn and he had to retire early about 15 years early and my mom stepped in um, at that time and she became the breadwinner yeah it's um so important to have that team um uh you know husband and wife um that can kind of support each other um your dad i'm sure he wasn't expecting anything like that and but yeah and it seems like this inspired you to well it's all coming together as well because clever girl finance um, which you started is geared towards this financial literacy and um, specifically for women. But I think myself included, I've, I've learned a lot from it. So um, is this kind of how that transitioned? Is that the start of Clever Girl Finance and when, what the mission was? So Clever Girl Finance was definitely inspired by my my mother, but it wasn't something that I set out to do. <laughs> I didn't graduate from college and say, oh, I'm going to start a personal finance business. <laughs> that was no, it wasn't even a thought in my head. For me, it was just, you know, I studied computer science and business. Um, and um, I almost second majored in economics, but I didn't want to stay in school for any much longer because of the cost. Um, and so I was just focused on my career path in technology strategy, which is where I worked. And also, I was focused on just, okay, I've gotten this salary. I want to save money. I want to, you know, take care of my parents in the future. I want to be able to stand on my own two feet. I don't ever want to experience what my mom's friends have gone through. That has always been in the back of my mind. Like, it's that fear of being broke because I got to see, sit in the corner as a child and listen, just sitting in the living room corner, playing with my toys or reading something and listening without really understanding um, to my mom's friends, just telling her all these things and that were going so terribly wrong because they didn't have money mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you know for themselves or for their kids or just and it, it i'm not talking about millions of dollars in the bank i'm talking about basic um money to buy food money to rent an apartment that kind of you know thing so um just coming out of college, focusing on just getting my finances, saving money, understanding how finances work. And as I was doing that, I was constantly talking to my friends about how I, how I was saving, what I was spending, 
learning about investing, investing in my 401k, it just was an organic conversation. I would always talk about money to my friends and my friends knew, all knew me. I was always the girl talking about money. <laughs> and they say talking about money is, you know, there's this old adage that women don't talk about money and all these other things we're not supposed to talk about, but I was always talking about money. So as a result, my friends would always ask me questions. What do I think about this? What am I doing about this? And so I started blogging initially, just as a, as a personal blog where I would write about finances and fashion because I always I also liked like fashion and shopping, <laughs> ironically. Um, but then later on, as I got married, as I had kids, um, I started to see a lot of what my mom was experiencing, right, mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. the same age that I was um, back then with people that I knew. And so it just came to me one day that why don't I just actually document the process as to which I do this and also showcase how other women are managing their own finances. And that was the beginning of Clever Girl Finance. Must have been grateful, like you said, at that time to have your mom in a position where she was able to take control. Exactly. I think that's uh, amazing. So financial literacy, you you started building this personal finance blog in order to, like you said, give back to the community. And you just love talking about money. and, And it's it's a taboo subject among women and, and men also. It's certain topics shouldn't be talked about in, in terms of money. Yep, um, and it's, it's, it kind of still is. Um, mm-hmm, it, although mm-hmm. there's a debt-free community, I, 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 one of the things that we all have to recognize is that once you step outside of the debt-free community, once you step out of, outside of the finance enthusiasts community, right, um, mm-hmm. in your everyday life, money is still a taboo subject. Generally, people are not just going to sit down and say, hey, I have $25,000 in debt. Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That would not make a great conversation. Yes. And so, you know, I I always try to remind myself because when you, when being so immersed in, you know, the community, you make all these connections with other people who are kind of like on the same wavelength, talking about finance, et cetera, like you and I having this conversation. But it's also important to remember that not everybody right, is in that space. Not everybody knows what you know. And so that's one of the things that um, is important for Clever Finance as a company is that, yes, it's great that, you know, we're we're part of the debt-free community, we're part of the finance community, but we also, our goal is to empower those who are not yet in this community, who don't know what we know, who are feeling shame or embarrassment by what they don't know, right mm-hmm. um so that they can feel comfortable about getting their finances in order as well definitely and is that part of the reason why you chose to make your courses free I, that's one of the things that jumped out of me was that your courses are free and you have over 30 courses that i saw that are in depth to, uh, about certain topics like debt free and investing is that kind of where that came from so our courses have not always been free um prior to this year. And really the the reason why we made our courses free was really to empower our community and to be there to support our community as they navigate this difficult season. Um, number one, COVID had a devastating impact on many people, including the women of our, in our community. And the Clarabelle Finance community is primarily made up of black and brown women um, mm-hmm. who you know, impacted even before COVID more so um, financially, just by virtue of their demographic, by virtue of, you know, history. And so 
just knowing the impact of COVID, knowing the impact of the amplification of race matters and how these women were trying to navigate their finances, it made sense for us to support our audience that way and stay true to our mission, which is empowering women to achieve financial wellness. And so that's why we made our courses free permanently. And um, the response has been really overwhelming. Uh, we just thought that it would be something that we would do and just keep it moving. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Let's figure out how to reestablish that income, income stream. But the response was was way more than we expected. So yeah, and I think it, it just comes down to providing financial literacy. I mean, it's yep. not available. And um, what you're doing is lowering the barrier as much as you can and helping people in the time like now, which uh, we know everybody needs some sort of, uh, you know, assistance, whether it's COVID related or discrimination that's still going on. So I think it's super important that first of all, that we're talking about it and you're also providing these resources for people um, yes. that, that need it the most. So that's that's amazing mission from Clever Girl Finance. So thank you thank for that. You. I do want to rewind a little bit and get back to your story because, again, it's it's inspirational. So after you got out of college, you didn't necessarily have all this financial literacy. You, you learned from your mom. You learned a lot uh, with the MBA as well, but you <laughs> didn't necessarily have everything put together um, like you might have now. Talk to me about some of the money mistakes that you kind of made early on and how you learned from those. Oh, I've made so many money mistakes. Um, and I'm sure I still have a number to make into the future because <laughs> if you don't make mistakes, how do you learn? I think you know, one of my very first money mistakes was that first credit card in college and not even understanding how it worked or what it was. I just knew that mm -hmm. I was getting a free t-shirt, which which now is no longer, you know, companies are no longer allowed. It's it's illegal for them to come to college campuses and recruit credit cards, sign-ups, you know, offer free t-shirts and pens and nonsensical stuff like that. But when I was in college, that was the thing. Every credit card company had a table at the career fair. It was like half companies and half credit card companies, mm -hmm. um, you know, luring you in with a free t-shirt, a free, you know, <laughs> whatever it could be, a mug. <laughs> That's the best, best return on investment for them. <laughs> exactly. And I signed up for a credit card. I remember the first time I went to the table, I called my mom, like, oh, mom, they're offering me this free credit card, $2,000, like $2,500. My mom was like, you better get away from that table. <laughs> and yeah, they were like, your mom doesn't need to know. Aren't you on campus? We can send you the letter straight to campus. My mom never has to know. So I signed up for that. Obviously, you sign up for a credit card. You get the, I think my limit was $2,000. And I was like, oh, my God. And I went shopping and I bought all these things. In a matter of a month, I had maxed out the entire card. I can't tell you what I bought other than clothes, some other <laughs> nonsensical stuff. But it just was like, for me, it was like a mind lapse. I'd never had a credit card. I didn't know what it meant. Just credit. Wow, I'm getting credit. What did I do? Something really good. So mm -hmm. <laughs> so there was that um, big mistake and learning later the interest rate was 24.99 um Ouch. having to pay it off having to tell my mother what i had done <laughs> and she's yeah. like you better figure that out <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that there is you know coming there's oh with learning investing and just just being really impatient like you know i i I used to really like Gap when I first came out of college. So I would buy Gap stock and I would see the stock fall. I would check it every day. And then the minute it, it fell, I would panic. 
and then I mm-hmm. would I would sell it and lose money. And then after I sold it and lost money, I'm like, oh wait a minute, the stock's back up. I would buy more. <laughs> it was just the worst way to invest, but I was learning, right? And mm-hmm. I just it was just that navigating my emotion around financing, getting clear on around my finances, getting clear on my long term goals, understanding what my risk tolerance was. Um, the diversifying my portfolio, all those things that I needed to learn, right? So there was a lot of trial and error with that. One of the mistakes that is I most popularly talk about, which is my designer handbag collection. So I'm a huge designer handbag person. I still have designer handbags today, but after I had saved a big chunk of money, I got to a point where I started to feel like I deserved something. And so I bought a first designer handbag and that's fine. You know, I used the handbag. I loved the handbag. But then I was, oh, I need another one and another one and another one. And what was happening is I was acquiring all these financial, uh, all these um, designer handbags um, at the expense of my finances because I was not saving as much. Every time I bought a new handbag, that was money that wasn't going to my savings account, that wasn't going to my investments. And that's fine also because life is not all about accumulation and then dying. You still have to enjoy the life you're living. Mm -hmm. But for me, it made no sense because I was not using the bags. It was a waste of money. They were just sitting there watching me in my closet every morning. waving sadly (laughs) what about me and so it just didn't make any financial sense it was a complete waste of money I was not using them my cost per wear was zero so there was that and just you know eventually letting go of them and selling them and getting money back and investing but there was that mistake and you know I could we could make this whole podcast episode about random mistakes that I've made (laughs) but you know those are some some of the mistakes I've made well, and, and those mistakes are similar to mine, actually. I did the same thing and uh, in college got a, a credit card and maxed it out and was just making minimum payments. Um, I also uh, made a few mistakes with you know, trying to time the market and purchase single stocks. And, uh, you know, I think that, that those mistakes are something that a lot of people go through and especially the one with credit card right out of college because as you were mentioning these credit card companies they know what they're doing so they're there for a reason and they even told you your mom or your parents don't have to know we can send you the bill directly right i i don't know if that's some sort of uh what's the word for it they are basically (laughs) yeah they're they're just marketing tactics i mean they mm -hmm, spent millions of dollars they have all their different avatars maybe they have a million of them and it's like how do we respond to each and every question how do we how do we target this person by virtue of who they are where they come from where they go to school blah 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 blah. and they have a blueprint on how to approach you and they can counter every counter you have (laughs) exactly And, and, and we're college students at the time and we're just helpless we're basically a deer in headlights exactly so um, I'm glad that you, you spoke about that. And, and so those are money mistakes to make, you know, to, to help uh, college students avoid as well. And then the single stock money mistake, that that's your money mistake. I think it's mine as well. Um, other people might have success, but I like to say that investing should be more tailored to risk tolerance, diversified, indexing, things like that, um, which we go over on the show as well. So now that was the setback, right? Talk to me about the comeback, the when you started putting everything together. You said you sold some of these precious designer bags of yours that were just <laughs> sitting in the closet looking at you. 
So, how, you know, talk to me about that process and what happened over the next three years. So um, my designer handbag collection came after I had saved money. <laughs> I oh, was like, okay, oh, I've okay. got money now. I'm going to buy some handbags. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so before, because before that, I couldn't afford a designer handbag. I could look at them from the window, but there was no way I was going to buy one if I didn't have any money in the bank account, unless I was going to get into debt to buy a bag, which I was definitely not going to do. Good thing. Uh, good after thing. my college credit card experience and how I had to hustle my life to pay off two thousand dollars, <laughs> it was like I was paying off a million dollars. Yes. <laughs> and it was only two thousand, but it was like, oh my god, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah. I had ten dollars here, three dollars here. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, so true. So coming out of college, though, one of one of the things that one of the stories that's also really popular that that um, I'm most proud of um, from that time of my life was just being fresh faced, not knowing anything about finances, but having that intention and that goal to save, and being able to save over a hundred thousand dollars about three and a half years after I came out of college. Um, so I did that um, before I turned 30. Um, I think I got to that 100,000 mark a little after I turned 28 and then I saved additionally. Um, and for me, um, and I'm a late college graduate by the way, because I took a year off of school um, you know, for finance reasons, et cetera. I had that gap year and I started college when I was 19. So yeah. so. I came out of college, didn't know a lot about finances, and I just wanted to learn. So I picked up a personal finance book. And one of the things that I remember vividly going through the bookstore was that, wow, there's a lot of finance books, but they're not a lot by women. And there's not a mm-hmm. lot by women that look like me. But you know what? This book says finance for women, so I'm just going to pick it up. And it was, a, it was a finance book for women by a white man. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but I bought it. And that book became my finance Bible. I read it to shreds. It was falling apart. I bought a new one. And I just implemented everything I learned from that book as it related to building my finances. I learned about budgeting. I learned about emergency savings. I learned about taking advantage of my 401k and taking on the free match. I learned about investing and, you know, investing in a way that worked for me. And based on that, I was able to set the foundation to save money. As I got raises, I would save every raise I got. Every tax return I got, I would save. It wasn't a lot of money. I would save it. Every bonus I got, I would get like $2,000 bonuses that were taxed at 50%. So I would have $1,000. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would save that, those. And then um, I I ended up starting a side hustle um, that ended up also helping me generate a good amount of money towards my savings. And I got really lean and mean with my budgeting. I set priorities um, working in New York City at the time was very challenging because there's a lot of distractions especially with young people and new york city is very expensive by the time you go out to two dinners you take three taxis you've spent a few hundred dollars if not more yes so, for sure um, <laughs> so it, it was doing that and you know as uh, toward by the end of that three and a half years i was making in the 70s um my annual salary and i had started a, a photography business um, that had earned me $10,000 the first year and then $30,000 the second year. And then I made even more. And then I paid my taxes, I bought equipment, and then I would save. So I got really just focused on my savings, despite the fact that I wasn't earning six figures. I got really intentional. And it was hard because there were things that I wanted to do that I didn't um, because I was really focused on my goal. But I was also motivated because when I saved my first $10,000, when, when I saved my first fifteen, twenty thousand, 20000 I was like, wait a minute, wow. 
I'm actually able to do this. I can actually see the results. Wow, I can keep doing this. And so that was really my focus um, mm -hmm. when it came to saving that $100,000. And so I got to the $100,000 mark and I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I think I had saved something like $128,000. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to buy that handbag. <laughs> okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> Well, but that is incredible. Uh, over $100,000 saved. And I was going to ask you what your uh, yearly income looked like, but you said you didn't, you, you didn't reach that $100,000 uh, a year mark, which is a lot of, is what I hear a lot of is, uh, it's easy to say to save, over, you know, X amount of dollars, but when you're making $100,000 plus, and, and I get that, um, but you did that with less living in an expensive city like New York City, for example. Yeah, so um, I, I was making $54,000 before taxes. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you, you're making it easy to see, say maybe you lived with your parents. I didn't live at home. I lived at home the first six months. And I saved that first six months $10,000 to put as a down payment on a condo in New Jersey. Um, so I was commuting into the city. It was much cheaper. So I had a small mortgage uh, for a tiny condo <laughs> back then. My mortgage was about $900, not including my association fee, which is like maybe $150. And then I also did have a car note for like $150 or $200, um, which mm -hmm. I eventually paid off. Uh, but that's what I was working with. Um, so it was the, 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 I guess the advantage I had was that I was single um, I wasn't living in New York City. I was commuting into the city, um, but mm -hmm. I was also very intentional. I had friends who my base salary was <laughs> a blip. Like I had friends who were working on Wall Street making 150 um, and their yeah. bonus for the year would be 150 right <laughs> and I, they would have they, stories, would, yeah. they would have 30,000 or 40,000 dollars in student loans and they did not pay off any of their student loans they did not save any money um, but they lived in the nicest apartments in the city they carried the nicest handbags they never took the subway they were always in the taxi so uh, for me it was just really what was my intention what was my goal and I took advantage of the fact that you know it's just me my mom mm -hmm. would tell me listen you're making money, you should be saving your money, you should be saving your money. And so that's what I did. So everybody has a different way of viewing, you know, these saving success stories, or these big debt payoff success stories. But I think it just really boils down to how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to accomplish it? And I remember times where I would say, this is so stupid, this makes no sense. Like, why am I even trying to save when I only have 1500 in the bank and it's going to take me this long? Like, you know, but I just kept at it and I figured out how to make it work. That side hustle meant that I was waking up early in the morning to edit photos. As soon as I got home from work, I was editing photos. Friday, Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, I was out of my house photographing weddings, photographing baby sessions, maternity sessions, engagement sessions. I was hardly home and I was exhausted. That $100,000 was a hustle. Yes. <laughs> it was a hustle and it hurt. Standing on my feet for eight to 10 hours at a wedding taking pictures, um, that was not glamorous. So <laughs> it sounds cool. Wow, she saved the hundred grand. But listen, it was like blood and sweat and tears. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you're bringing that up because it's true. I mean, right now we're talking about where you're at and, and the end result, but it's uh, a lot of the hard work and hustle, as you're mentioning, sometimes gets just overlooked. And um, I'm, I'm not about telling people to just work hard and hustle and you'll make it 
But I think, like you mentioned, you did it intentionally and you had a plan. Um, and you also fought feelings of deprivation, I'm sure, like you've, like you've suggested. But you had those milestones, like you said, 10,000, 15,000 that said, I'm on the right track. This is progress. Is that what kind of helped you continue? Because I've heard that the first 10,000 are the hardest. And then after that, it just gets easier and easier. Yeah, definitely. And it got to a point where I just wouldn't even check my account. I would just, I would automate, um, obviously your 401k is automated, but my cash savings to my, to my savings account, I would just set it up in payroll and I would just, you know, like not even check it and just stay busy with my work and with my business. And there, there were times where I just was so just out of it. I would go and buy things. I would go on a shopping spree and I'll go home and be like, okay, really, Bola? And then I'll go and return all the things that I bought. <laughs> At least you so, got to try them on. Right, exactly. You know, so it's just, I think anybody can do anything for a short period of time. Three years is not a long time. It may seem like it, but it goes by really quickly. And mm -hmm. for me, you know, and so once I got past that, I kind of eased up a little bit because I was like, okay, I'm saving all this money. I'm continuing to save. Yes, I'm buying handbags. I got over that habit, but I still want to enjoy my life a bit. I still want to breathe. And I don't have that financial worry in the back of my head of, oh my God, what if I lose my job? Oh my God, what if this happens? Because I have money in the bank. So for me, those three and a half years was completely worth it. I don't care what anybody says, whether you agree, you don't agree, you like how I did it, you don't like how I did it. For me personally, um, that was a huge foundational piece of my personal finances and even me being able to run a business full-time today all goes back to that experience from when I first came out of college in my 20s. Talk to me a little bit about what you want people to learn in these um, books or or your your mission with with them. Completely agree with you and I think it gave you like you said a, a solid foundation to build upon and you were in a position of financial power at that point so yeah, you, you bought some designer handbags, but so that was your choice. I think there's also that we should be uh, careful with kind of having this stigma as well. If somebody like that was that was my um, story for for a while as well is I would not let myself down if I made a purchase that I knew wasn't an ideal, wasn't an investment until I realized what is you, there's a sense that you have to live a little as well so you have to find that balance and yes. uh, if that's what you enjoy you've saved over a hundred thousand dollars then there is that uh budget or line item in the budget to say hey i've set aside this amount i could go ahead and spend it guilt-free exactly i want to i want to you know go on the nice trips i don't want to backpack i want to stay in a nice hotel <laughs> <laughs> Personally, yeah. I, I want to go to the nice dinner. I want to ride in the Uber X. Okay, exactly. So. Exactly. And you know what? If if uh, riding in the subway for a few years and then riding on that Uber XL or whatever it is, it it makes it feel that much better, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Bola. And um, now I do want to get into, after that, you know, your story, your money mistakes, and everything that you've learned. It seems like you've you've written a few books, right? I think it's two books and actually one coming out in October. 
Yeah, so I have written one book that came out last summer um, called Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, Build Real Wealth. And I have my second book coming out in October, and it's called Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money. And then mm-hmm. um, my third book comes out next summer, and that's on nice. Side Hustles. Nice. I can't wait for that one, too. Yeah, oh. so the my first book, Clever Girl Finance, is just really the book I wish that I had found in the bookstore when I was at the beginning stages of just like laying out my financial plan when I was saying, wait a minute, why aren't there any books by women? Right. Or why aren't there any books by women who look like me? So this is really me sharing my story, talking about everything you need to do to create a financial plan for for yourself and not just with your finances, but with your career and in your relationships as well. And I don't just talk about my story because my story, you know, as amazing as it sounds, save $100,000 right out of college, you know, there are other incredible stories out there of people who are doing incredible things. And I think there's value in showcasing a variety of different stories because they motivate and empower people and they make them realize that I can do this too. So the book also showcases stories from women who had you know, strides with their finances, whether it was saving or paying off debt or investing or whatever it might be. A ton of stories are in that book. And then the second book, um, Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money, is really focused on why it's important for us to invest and also just helping to break down the complexities, the so-called complexities around investing, right? A lot of people don't invest because they don't understand how it works. It's overwhelming. You turn on the news and you see Jim Jim Cramer yelling at you. (laughs) So this is really how does investing work? Um, it specifically is for the US and Canada. Um, how does it work? What does it mean to me? Why should I invest? How do I get started investing? Where can I invest? It breaks down all of that. Um, how do I set objectives? How do I determine my risk tolerance? How do I find a financial planner if I need one? How do I invest on my own? Um, and that's what that book talks about. So that comes out um, in October. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited for it. And I definitely, I'll put a show note link to your site as well as your podcast and these books um, and, and your social media as well. Where do you recommend people start? Do you recommend them going to the to the site, your, your website first, or, or what do you think that they should do? Anyone who's just being introduced to Clever Girl Finance? Yes, yeah, stop by clevergirlfinance.com. That's our home base. We have tons of articles on the site, new articles every single month. We have our free courses that are completely free on a variety of money topics. You can see our podcast there. You can follow us on Instagram from there. Um, you can check out links to the books um, from there, wherever you purchase your book. So clevergirlfinance.com is a great place to start to get to know us and to join our community. All right, Paula. Well, thank you so much for, for joining the show. It was a lot of fun talking about uh, your story and everything that you've accomplished. I, I really do think you're, you, you've are you got such a great mission with Clever Girl Finance, and I hope that you can bring this financial literacy and and to the forefront and help as many people as possible. So continue from my end as well as your end. I hope this all goes to to helping people regardless of their background. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you can take a minute and subscribe and leave a review. That really helps me get seen and have this show grow. I really want the show to become uh, force in, in the personal finance community and, and really hope to help as many people as I can. So if by you guys subscribing and leaving a review and also sharing it with your friends or family members who might benefit from this content, 
would really, really help me out as well. Um, So thank you guys for listening. And until next time, take care. Oh, 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 oh,